Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. We're so glad that you've chosen to listen to us once again. It is a choice. It is a choice. This is a choice, people. This is on you if you're wasting your time with us. (laughs) That's right. This is your... If you get to the end of this episode and you feel like you just wasted an hour, that's your fault. That is a good point. That's not on us. Yeah. We wash our hands of this (laughs) before we even get started. (laughs) So thank you for assuming responsibility, all our listeners. Thank you very much. We're happy to be broadcasting today from Granite Springs Church. Aaron, you have a mischievous you have a mischievous look on your face today. What's going on? Uh, Are you up to something? Not up to anything. Not any, anything mischievous. Not anything more mischievous than usual. You look burned. Oh, I got sunburned last Ooh. week. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah. Oh, You got like oh. skin flying everywhere. Face hurts. It's like I could peel a huge piece off your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> Just so our listeners I, was, I shouldn't be a, in the kitchen. I was, I was making dinner the other day, and I was, flakes of skin falling yeah, off yeah. me oh, in the no. kitchen. It's unhygienic. Yeah, it's disgusting. That's bad. Yeah. yeah. His his skin almost looks like someone glued a bunch of like thin cornflakes to his face. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what it looks like. I would like to add about my appearance. Last podcast that we recorded, we said that I needed a haircut. Oh yeah, you still haven't done it. That's still true. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have not yet. Got me more true than ever. Yeah, I think here's my ever. opinion about haircuts. It's like getting a haircut like increases a person's attractiveness by like five notches. Five? Wouldn't Out you of say? how many notches? Wait, what is the scale? <laughs> uh, five? Oh. So like you go from <laughs> zero, zero to a five <laughs> with a haircut. <laughs> so so I don't want to say right now, Matt, that you're at a zero. No, I can take that. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something about like, I don't know, you get the haircut and it's like, the face, lo- the face looks fresh. I think it's the, like the smile has like that little gleam to it. The that stranger little- revelation about this is that Sam might be obsessed with haircuts. <laughs> yeah. People getting them. It's one of those things you can't escape it. I mean, unless you just really literally have no hair. But there's always something to shave somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? You guys? Uh, you know what I mean, guys? Tell us what you mean. <laughs> Maybe you could tell us about that a little bit. <laughs> There's just always, you know, there's always something. That there's always hair in the kitchen, in the kitchen sink, in the bathroom sink. <laughs> you uh, feel sorry for your kids uh, having to eat this, like, you know, skin, skin and hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dinner a heavy protein. Disgusting person, Aaron. It's a heavy protein he's diet. Like, he's like losing hair and skin everywhere. <laughs> Uh, we're always a little off the rails, but today... Let's, uh, let's introduce ourselves to our, our guests. I think they're really interested in hearing who we are. Yeah, the people listening, you mean. Yeah. 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 All, all, everyone listening is kind of our guests. Like, yeah. We're inviting you into our space. You're a guest. Remember, it's entirely your responsibility for walking through that door. <laughs> but we are also guests in their ears. Oh, and, yeah. And oh, in their houses. Right. Yeah, so we are all guests. Or in their cars. Special guests. Yep. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. I'm Sam. Solid introductions. And it's shedding season for me. 
<laughs> losing my winter coat. <laughs> oh, you a snake? All right, we've been doing this segment for the last few times called My List. Today's going to be, here's my five, my five top favorite. My five top favorite things in the bathroom. Good. <clears throat> Number five. This is my least favorite of my most favorite. I think they get how we understand, understand. <laughs> we understand at this point. We've done this three times. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so just so you know, it's still one of my favorites, but my least favorite. Right. Okay. Of yep. my most favorite. The fifth. All right. Favorite. What is it? Uh, I'm gonna. I put down Q-tips. Oh, oh, that's classic. And one time I bought the cheap ones, and those are not good. No, don't do the cheap I went ones. to the 99 cent store, bought a huge box of the cheap Q-tips. They're terrible. They don't put enough cotton on the ends. So it's like a stick in your ear, like or wherever yeah. you're putting it. <laughs> Where are you putting it, Aaron? No, I'm putting it in my ear. Usually. <laughs> do you want to say anything more about that? How often do you use Q-tips? Uh, well, I use them every day. Every day. And yeah, sometimes I use them twice a day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that true? I do, yeah. Sometimes I use Weird. them like in the morning when I wake up. In your ear mm -hmm. twice a day? Mm -hmm. And then always after a shower. Because it's like your, your ears are wet. There's wetness yeah. in there. It feels good to dry them out. Yeah, you got to dry them out. You know, Q-tips are supposed to be really bad for your ears. Yeah, That's what I they say, but I've terrible. never listened to that. No, I mean... Maybe because you can't hear them. Because <laughs> <laughs> your ears are all plugged up. You keep wax. pushing wax in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're never going to get through this episode. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, Q-tips. Uh, number five. Number four. <laughs> gotta have it. The toothbrush. <laughs> okay. What? Gotta what? have it. For your ears? <laughs> <laughs> no, this one's for the old tooths. The old tooths. Yeah. yeah, the old tooths. I uh, mean, that feels like just kind of a staple rather than a favorite. Well, it's, it's one of my favorites. Okay. Like, I love to brush well. my teeth. It feels... But you know what? Years ago, I got rid of brushing my teeth in the morning. Mm. I just don't do it. What? I just brush them at night. That's it. Once a day. Aaron, do you do that too? I'm pretty, I'm pretty rare to brush in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> this is blowing my mind. <laughs> it's true. I think mostly because it kind of messed with my breakfast. It's like... For me, that was the main cause. It was messing with the coffee. It was messing with breakfast. It was just mint and morning. Are you doing anything to kind of freshen your breath? Nope. In the morning? Coffee. Just, coffee freshens garlic. up really nice. Good morning, world. Garlic, Here's my coffee. breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> wow. My wife is the same way. She'll hop out of, not as me, she's better than me, but she'll hop out of bed and that's like the first thing she does is brush her teeth. Mm. And to me, that ruin, that'll ruin everything you eat or drink for the rest of the day. Well, you see, I brush my teeth after my breakfast. Yeah. But then it kind of still ruined, like, if you want to, like, have coffee on the way to work. You can't really do that because you just brush your teeth. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't drink coffee. See, so that's, that's that's probably why I avoid this issue. This is probably a coffee drinker thing. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Toothbrush. Toothbrush. And a few years ago, I got the, um, the automatic, the toothbrush with a battery. Mm -hmm. Oh. Which I've read about. The reviews say it does a better job than the manual, you know, scrubba, scrubba. Yeah. Like, pretty classic sound effect. <laughs> we like the we like the uh, the the powered one too. Did yeah. you use a Buzzly one? 
I, I have in the past. I don't anymore. I'm just straight, you know, kind of 1800s. Use the oh, that's right. He likes cheap. Bristles. He likes cheap appliances. Remember? Oh yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> when did they invent the toothbrush? 1800s? Did no, you just throw I, that number I, out I there? I just threw that number out there randomly. Oh man, that that is uh, he's fact checked. Baking soda and tree bark. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of charcoal in there. <laughs> Last night's ashes from the fireplace just <laughs> worked perfect. Okay, here's number three, and this is a personal favorite of mine: the razor. Oh yeah, here's my here's my thing. Always something to shave. I have to shave, otherwise it would be scary. Like I could never be on that show uh, Survivor. Oh, I love Survivor because I think you get to pick a personal item or something like that. I would definitely pick a razor, but if you couldn't pick a personal item, and I was on this island for like whatever six weeks, eight weeks, yeah, forty, days. I would be a wolf man. I would be like in the jungle. Like I would disappear from camp and you couldn't find me and there would be a beast in the forest and that would be me. That'd be an amazing season of Survivor though. <laughs> What's wrong with forest, forest Beast? I think you could pull off Forest Beast. It's not pretty. What what kind of razor? Is this an electric razor? Well, just 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 razors. Like whatever whatever can cut hair razor like. Okay. Well, is, it, is it powered or not powered? Uh, like I use everyday. both. Yeah. Oh, use like both. whatever gets the job done. Yep. Grass clippers. I'll even process. use grass clippers. Kind of one, one in each hand, maybe. <laughs> I'll even use those hedge trimmers if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number two the nail clipper. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, seriously, if you didn't have a nail clipper, what would you, your only options would be to bite your nails off? Yeah. Or Some to like do that. rub them on the cement? <laughs> oh. <laughs> like a caveman? Because <laughs> I think. Uh, there's just research that's come out that showed that cavemen would go and find the nearest concrete to just file their nails <laughs> all the time. That, that was a big thing in Neolithic. Like, Neolithic what would you era. do? Like, all, everyone would have these like super long fingernails, like the Guinness Book of World Records. You know, like the longest fingernails. They're starting to curl. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. 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 No, they're good. Very it's, satisfying. Cutting your fingernails is one of the yeah. Most short satisfying. fingernails. That's great. A great feeling. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And they're also good for like hangnails and stuff. I use them yep. for. Uh -huh. They're one of the best inventions in the world. <laughs> Just think about what that are the, for a second. What are the top uh, <laughs> top five inventions ever? Ooh, Sublist. Someone should do this. Wheel. I, I have a couple of things that I'd put on that list. Okay, let's hear it. One is eyeglasses. Huh. In the history of yes. mankind? Yes. Hmm. You know, I was, talking, eyeglasses. I was talking with someone about eyeglasses the other day, and let's assume, you know, for a moment, the theory of evolution. How do people evolve who can't see? Like, how do we still have people who can't see? That's <laughs> oh, really like, kind of mysterious. Huh. Like, why, because, why has that not died off? Yeah, why was that not something that we kind of got taken care of? Or yeah. is it a more recent phenomenon that now that we can kind of support people who can't see, yeah. we have people who can't see? I think it's the really funny thing is, you know, think back to like Bible times, probably almost everyone in the Bible probably couldn't see very well. That's crazy. Like, you don't think about it. Yeah. <laughs> but most of the population gets you know, gets their eyesight gets progressively worse. Although people died earlier. Yeah. You die like, before you can't see. Yeah. Well, hmm. did you know that like in the, what is it? A hundred years ago, the average lifespan was 50, 49 years old. Wow. Did you know that? Isn't that crazy? 
adds a whole new meaning to your recent birthday, right? Yeah. <laughs> You'd be winding it down. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You're about ready to retire. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's Making number one. And this okay, is kind of a universal. So it may not just be in the bathroom, but I put the scissors. The scissors can do numerous things. It can cut your hair. You can groom with it. You can trim up the old mustache. You can trim the old eyelashes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> this this singular no, number one has raised so many questions for me. Sorry, I've never heard of someone <laughs> story scissors. Like household scissors? He doesn't have time to brush his teeth in the morning. He's gonna trim his eyelashes. <laughs> Sorry. Not eyelashes. Eyebrows. Uh, I mean, almost even so. Okay. Nose hairs. You trim the nose hairs with the scissors. We got a little are uh, these, scissors. Are these grooming scissors? Or are these like scissors? Big handle, (laughs) you know, your regular, oh, I want to cut out this piece of origami kind of scissors. I don't want to specify the scissors here. My point is to say that the scissors are very useful in in the bathroom. And they can open packages. Okay, so we are talking about scissors. (laughs) In the the bathroom. Well, like sometimes you get a package of like razors and they're like you know, super wrapped or whatever in that plastic. Uh-huh. You can use your bathroom scissors to, <laughs> to open them. Just like, think about it. Don't judge this. There might be a kickstart here this. for you, Sam. New bathroom scissors. Just consider yeah. it. Wow. Anyways, that's my top five. Well, like we mentioned before, our special guest today is no outsider. He's an insider. His name is Matt. He's right here. And he's going to lead us today in a conversation about, Matt, I'm going to let you introduce it. We're going to talk about the Bible, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great topic. And <laughs> originally, when we were thinking about topics to talk about during the podcast, one of the ones, an obvious topic for me was um, this idea of how do we interpret the Bible? And I think mm-hmm. what makes it so interesting to talk about is Matt teaches a course on that very thing. The art of interpretation is that what it's called? That's what we call it. Yeah. yeah. So, so over at the university over here, Jessup, you teach a course called the art of interpretation, and you're really helping students to learn and to how to how to think about interpreting the Bible in a faithful. Would you say faithful? Is that the key word? Fitting, faithful. Mm. I don't want to say right or right. Yeah. I mean, we want. I mean, first of all, I mean, it's helpful to note that we're teaching Christian interpretation, right? So, you can get art of interpretation of kind of any text anywhere. But, yeah, we're trying to teach people how to interpret in a faithful way. I think that's a a good word. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to interpreting a Bible, one of the first questions I had, and some people might think think this way, but it's, you know, in some ways, it's like, Matt, it's very simple. God said it. Mm -hmm. Any questions? (laughs) Like the Bible says what it says, and it's plain, and yeah. it's simple, and there it is. So what what are you talking and about? Then, like well, this? then there's this other end of the spectrum, which is I think more common now in 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 modern society is that this this is what the Bible means to me. I'm going to interpret this however however I personally like can internalize it and interpret it. I don't have to I don't have to lean on the wisdom of any anyone who's come before me. I'm not going to take it literally necessarily. I'm just going to say, "Oh no, this is this is this is what this means to me and take it out of context to do kind of whatever, put it on the fridge and and not really think about it or um, engage with it too much." Yeah, so you in some sense you make it say whatever you want it to say. Yeah. Yeah. 
Matt, how would you answer those questions? Like, Yeah, I mean, they're kind of two quite different questions, right? Because they're in some sense uh, the poles of the conversation in which Christians approach Scripture. So we can talk more about those poles uh, and kind of where they come from and how they're both misconceptions. And I think the Christian tradition actually upends maybe both of these a little bit. Um, but with respect to the God said it, I'm really sympathetic with that because that's how we talk a lot about Scripture. Mm. So, we call Scripture of the Bible the Word of God, right? If you're starting to move into sort of theological categories, people talk about it as divine revelation. We kind of, there's a massive sense that the Bible or, you know, even more colloquial people will talk about it as it's a love letter from God, right? Mm. Or <laughs> like God sent us this, it's the instruction manual that God gave us. It's all God-given language. Uh, and so, I'm really sympathetic to the person who wants to say, well, God just gave this to us, God said it, so then it's done. And it's obvious. And I think there's a couple of issues with that kind of thinking. First of all, is just the assumption that uh, what is said is the equivalent to what is meant, right? So, you, we kind of know intuitively, I think, from our experience that uh, when someone just says something, there's kind of a couple more steps to meaning. So, you can say the exact same thing, but your tone can indicate. So, if I say, like, Sam, you're the best Curious Church podcast host in here, my tone really will matter in the meeting. So, if I say, Sam... Because that sounded sincere. That, that sounded sincere. <laughs> and then there's another way I could say it, which I won't say to not hurt your feelings, but I could say it so it sounded sarcastic. And in that case, you could say, well, Matt said it, but that actually doesn't hold any meaning, right? Mm -hmm. You have to take a couple more steps towards meaning. The other part of this is really, we have to consider, kind of back up and think about what is the Bible? Uh, is it just sort of a bunch of words that God dictated to people or that were kind of written by his finger on stone somewhere? Was it actually something different? Which I tend to think that however we think about it, and even how the Bible talks about itself, uh, the Bible is a story of God and people coming together and kind of in his grace, he allows us to begin to work through images and work through ideas and tell this story in partnership with him. And really the Bible is this, there's this divine agency and there's this human authorship going on throughout. Um, and as soon as you bring in human agents, every person is talking in their concrete context and uh, from their particular experiences and for particular purposes. So, that's why I think kind of just saying God said it while well, I'm sympathetic to it eventually is going to lead us short a little bit. And the Bible never really specifies how those two things work together. God inspiring human authors. Yeah, no. I mean, people talk a lot about kind of the mechanism of what this looks like, and there's all kinds of different theories of, we might call this inspiration, right? Uh, different ideas of how it happened. Because some people might think it actually was something like God whispering the exact words into a human author's ears, and that person is simply writing down what they hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, we could put a label on that. That's sometimes called a dictation theory of inspiration. So, God literally is dictating the words to people. And at times, He does do that. Yeah, so, like yeah, the, the we, Ten Commandments. Oh, the prophets are big on the thus says the Lord language, right? So, thus says the Lord, and then they start, you know... This is coming directly from the mouth of God. So, there's certainly all kinds of places in Scripture where we see that happening. Uh, but we don't see it happening everywhere. And then that's, you know, worth noting. Because the question that dictation theory sometimes raises is, if God just dictated it, why do we have all these different tones 
and different images. Like, why isn't it just 66 books of consistency? You yeah. know, uh, why do we have poetry and story and seemingly different people coming from different angles? So there seems to be something a little, a little more than that going on, even though scripture doesn't necessarily tell us explicitly this is how it all happened. So you're saying there is a need for interpretation. You can't simply say, well, God said it, that's it, mm-hmm. end of story. There's an act of interpretation that needs to happen. So how do we go about interpreting faithfully? or rightly, or correctly, or, I mean, what, use whatever word, but <laughs> how do we do this well? Like, how do we know we're on the right track? How do we know that we're just not making the Bible say whatever we want it to say, back to kind of Aaron's uh, thought there? Yeah. Um, you know how real estate lo- uh, agents will always say, like, the big thing in a house is location, location, location. I think biblical scholars are people who want to help other people read the Bible well. Pastors, too, will often say, like, context, 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 right? Which is the way that, in fact, any kind of communication should be read, right? People hate it when they're taken out of context because they they kind of intuitively recognize that that's a misuse of the thing I said. I think the same thing is really true with Scripture. So, we want to... And in in the class that I teach, we talk about kind of three categories of context. We talk about historical, cultural context, uh, literary context, and theological context. And the way that I kind of talk about those is historical context is all the stuff that's going on around the text. So when it was written, there's, you know, all kinds of assumptions in the culture. There are things that these people do. There are things that are going on in the communities to which it's being written. All that kind of stuff that happens around the text. Literary context is really the stuff that's going on in the text. So, uh, what happened in the paragraph before this verse that I'm reading? What happens in the paragraph after this verse I'm reading? Uh, What's the genre? Like, what kind of thing is it? What are the rules by which this kind of writing, maybe poetry, plays by? And then theological context, which I think about really being the way that the text kind of talks to itself, right? So, that's that's like a really Christian way of thinking about interpretation, right? It's worth noting that because as we approach it and say, because there's sort of divine agency involved throughout scripture, we expect there to be kind of ways that scripture, the distinct books of scripture will talk to themselves. And that's really kind of, as we begin to develop broader theological ideas, theological context helps see us. So what does James have to say about some of the ideas that Paul has or How does Paul's understanding of Jesus relate to the Gospels? A Christian understanding will say, we're looking for the ways that that expands and helps us understand and clarifies, right, what's going on in both of those situations. Now, so I'm I'm just thinking, so someone might be listening and they're thinking, well, I just, I mean, I want to read my Bible. I want to read it in the morning when I wake up and I'd love to to get something out of it. I mean, mm-hmm. to, to find some sort of encouragement or to find something that's going to help me through my day. Right. Now, and they might be saying, well, maybe I can't even do that because I have to know the context and I have to know what genre the book is and I have to know this. I have to know that. Maybe I have to know Greek. Maybe I have to know Hebrew. I have to, right. And so, how does, how does this like, how can we still empower people to read their Bibles and to really feel like, like they're reading their Bible correctly without having to know all this stuff. Is that possible? Yeah. So it's I, okay if you say no. <laughs> Sorry, people. I, I, actually, I actually do think it's possible, but I think it kind of requires some more thinking through this. So the first comment I'd make is uh, historical cultural context is quite 
difficult to come to without kind of having access to resources, right? Like, we just don't intuitively know what first century or before kind of culture looks like. We have to learn that. But literary context and theological context are really primarily just about reading the text. Um, really, if, if you're asking kind of what's your number one tip to engaging with a passage of scripture, my, my tip would just be ask questions of scripture. Because often when you're willing to start asking questions, you'll begin to notice things. It slows you down and you begin to notice things that you move past too quickly. So in my class, uh, we do this exercise with John 2, which is uh, the miracle where Jesus turns, turns water into wine. And most of my students come from Christian backgrounds, not all of them, but most of them. So they're pretty familiar with this story. And so I tell them, okay, what we're going to do with these, you know, just 10 or so verses, is we're going to ask 30 questions of these verses. So we go, and you know, we get to 30 and they all cheer. I'm like, okay, now we're going to do another 10. And we keep going around the room and I kind of have them in groups kind of offering questions. And then we do another 10. And we get suddenly to 50 questions on verses that they all thought they knew and understood quite well. And it's like, oh, huh, there's a lot in here that I can kind of explore or ask about. You know, why is Jesus doing this? Why might these things, you know, things that drive you further and deeper into the text and to thinking about it. So that'd be one thing. That's really something that anyone can do. That's, that's not a Greek scholar. That's not a Hebrew scholar. That's just reading the text well. I, I love that. And it really goes back to the, the name of this podcast, which is Curious Church. It's simply being curious. Not that you have to even have the answers, but you just take this posture of curiosity, like, oh, I really want to know more about this passage. I want to understand it better. I'm just curious mm-hmm. about it. I yeah. think that's such a helpful posture to have. So that's number one tip. And we're, and we're looking at it also, if I could say, as a on a, on a scale that, and we've talked about slow worship too before, mm-hmm. but this is kind of slow, slower immersion into yeah. into certain biblical texts, I think. Because you can, instead of smashing and grabbing something and saying, this is how I'm going to start my day, mm-hmm. I, mean, I think more, and maybe that can come after, you're, after you gain some familiarity and ask some of these questions. Yeah. So that was to, and you can always grow in these things. You can grow in your <clears throat> understanding of that historical context. Yeah. I think, I think another piece of this, maybe part two, right? So part one is like, anyone can do, do a lot of this, like, there's a lot that you can just do just by slowing down and reading and engaging with the text. The other thing I would say, though, is for as much as I might preach context in my class, um, there's sometimes a sense that uh, Scripture is something that you kind of put in one end of the machine, and if you grind it in a certain way, meaning will come out, right? And so, if you put Scripture in and you kind of filter in these three pieces of context and you do a word study then at the end, like, you come out with the meaning of Scripture. Personally, I actually think that's an unhelpful way to talk about Scripture because it seems to me like the person who um, is engaging with Scripture and is looking for the way that it speaks to them is actually engaging with it faithfully as well. Um, So, the idea that sort of the biblical scholars have a monopoly on faithful readings of Scripture seems to sort of belie the fact that Scripture was always to be sort of a book of the people, right? It wasn't wasn't written to scholars. It wasn't written for scholars. It was written for communities of people, which are people like you and me, right, who are just need to hear these words. So, I think there's a real sense in which, um, while the context is important, there's also a sense in which, because the Spirit continues to speak through Scripture, that's something I really uh, mm-hmm. believe and talk about a lot in, a lot in my class, 
uh, we should anticipate that there are that there is meaning um, as we kind of receive scripture or as we try to listen to scripture. So what what I say is that the context stuff is not unhelpful. Then it's not like this is okay if you can't do the context stuff, just put it to the side. The way I talk about it is the context and kind of maybe what we might talk about is the original intention of the passage provides sort of the horizon. It it helps us scope out the areas in which we can hear and listen well um, to the meaning of scripture. But sometimes the meaning might be different or a nuance to that original intention. The thing I would just say is we don't want to be in contradiction with the witness of scripture. So if we're sort of interpreting something that's in contradiction with what the intention was said, uh, then we're kind of in uh, unhelpful territory. So let me give you an example, right? Because that might be helpful. So in Matthew 7, Jesus says, uh, do not judge lest you be judged. Okay. People love to take this out of context because it, it sort of feels good to say like, no, no, we shouldn't judge Don't each judge other. Me. Mm-hmm. Don't, Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Right. right. So there yeah. is a sense in which what I'm saying is you can listen to that verse and hear it. But if you start reading the context, just if you read a few more verses, frankly, you realize Jesus starts talking about this whole plank and speck thing, right? So he says, okay, uh, you know, be sure you take the plank out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Well, in both those cases, to take, to even recognize that there's a speck requires some kind of implicit judgment, right? So Jesus here, just from the broader context, is clearly not saying there's never a place for judgment, but he's calling uh, really speaking against kind of hypocritical judgment, right? Particular approach of a person is sort of a holier than thou and is going to point out all the issues and all the people around them. That's really what Jesus is contending with. So while I would say like, if you read that passage, if you read that, do not judge lest you be judged, and your conclusion is then in contradiction with what Jesus meant originally, you're in an, unhel- you're in, in an unhelpful place and you're not reading it faithfully. But there are ways, right, to read just that passage without knowing all of the historical context and hear it speak to you because the Spirit can speak through these texts today. Matt, you know, you're helping young people. You're teaching this course, helping young people think through these issues. Are there a couple kind of takeaways from the class that you really hope they get and I think would really resonate with our listeners too, after hearing you just kind of give a summary mm. kind of of the basics of your course, yeah. like maybe some encouragement or maybe a warning and an encouragement or something like that. Like what are a couple of takeaways that you hope the students get when they, when they leave your class? Well, I think you need to take this whole class in context. You can't just <laughs> take a couple pieces no, of information. We would like to just rip a little piece out of your class. Yeah, no, I can just still distill a couple of pieces, right? So, um, I think really, you know, a few, a few things that I want people to take away. First of all, and this is really coming out of sort of the, some of those question exercises I do, is that no matter how familiar you are with scripture, and some of my students are not familiar at all, and some people are very familiar, but no matter your familiarity, there's still new depths to a passage. There's still new things. That you, you don't reach a point where you have mastered scripture. In fact, I talk about the whole purpose of reading scripture is not to master scripture, it's to have scripture master you, right? So if you're, if you're kind of trying to get a bunch of Bible knowledge, you, you already missed like your turn, like you're on the wrong path. Now that stuff can be helpful, but it's not why we read scripture and it shouldn't be why we read scripture in the first place, I don't think. So to keep in mind that there's always kind of new things uh, 
to hear and new things to explore. So you can come back to a passage again and again and again yeah. and keep mining it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, the second thing I would say is I try to encourage people to just read it. Right? That's actually the bigger, maybe the biggest issue is people just don't read scripture. Like they get a, a single verse or a single passage and then that's on their Instagram feed. Yeah. On their Instagram feed. Sure. Yeah. And it's, and it's nice and it's in a beautiful picture or, you know, a nice frame or whatever. Uh, but that's their entire engagement with scripture. So you find that students are reading their Bibles or is that, are you finding most students don't really? Um, I, I think most students and most people just don't, just don't, just don't read their Bible. Uh, and I don't I don't say that necessarily from a place of like passing judgment because I'm not good at reading my Bible, but it does go back to we have to ask like kind of okay what is this thing, uh, and a lot of us kind of carry guilt right that's associated with it like uh, oh I know I'm supposed to read my Bible every day one of the things I say to my students is uh, just don't worry about reading it every day just read it a little bit more than you do right now mm. um, that's helpful and if that's five minutes this week. Awesome. You've read it five minutes more than you did last week. Just read a little bit more. That's, that would be one encouragement. And eventually, you know, I think I really believe in the power of Scripture to uh, engage us and arrest us, right, as really God is active through it. So, if I can just get people to read it a little bit more, five minutes, a minute, 30 seconds, uh, I really believe that that makes a difference over time. Mm. And then... Uh, the last thing is really, and this relates to the mastering idea, is that scripture is always something to be listened to. Uh, like where our posture towards scripture is to hear it, uh, not to know it or control it or get it so we can disperse it against the people that we feel like need to hear it, right? It's actually our posture is for us to hear scripture. Um, and that's maybe three kind of odd takeaways from a class that's supposed to teach you sort of the process Mm. of interpreting scripture. Um, but really, I think for me, that's kind of the core of it. Because otherwise, we do get into this mechanistic view where we approach scripture just like we approach any kind of scientific problem. We form our hypothesis, we test it against various things, and we come to our conclusion. It seems to me like scripture just doesn't call us to have that posture towards it, mm. that our posture is always one of listening. Everyone, thanks for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. And we are sorry for all the giggling. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't know, once in a while. Once in a while. Uh, got to get it out. It today? Yeah, it's always you, Sam. It's literally <laughs> always a you. But you guys joined in. You laughed at, you uh, laughed at my jokes. Oh, You're incredibly infectious. <laughs> Unfortunately infectious. <laughs> well, it's been great. Being yeah. with you again, uh, I'm Sam. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. And Matt, how can they find us? I mean, obviously they found us, but how can they help us? Yeah, we I, need help. We we always welcome help. Um, you know, I looked on the I looked on our iTunes uh, review. Like you can actually review us on iTunes, mm-hmm. and only two people have done it, and I'm one of them. <laughs> 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 we need your help, people. Yeah. We need you to rate us, and we need you, even if you think this podcast stinks, we need you to give us a five, which, which is you the best. Us. 
I gave us a five. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's nice of you. The other person gave us a four. I saw that. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. What? <laughs> well, they're not wrong. Well, they're not being honest. Yeah. Well, they know we're a five. They might be being more honest. <laughs> ethical fondry. So people probably don't know this. They probably enjoy the podcast, but they don't realize that they can actually help us. Yeah, totally. So iTunes is great. Facebook is another. If you're a Facebook person, uh, we post about our episodes. Go ahead and like that because, uh, you know, the way magical algorithms tend to work is the more kind of engagement, the the greater chance that other people will see. So that's kind of, that's even less arduous than reviewing on iTunes. So easy. Yeah. yeah and we're, our goal is to get us to a million <laughs> subscribers and we're only at 60. <laughs> So we need your help. Big time. Thanks for joining us. I'm Sam. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Thanks for being curious with us. <laughs>